we've just been receiving some, uh, I don't know, it's just over the top uh, reports back from so many of you for uh, the uh, conference last weekend. Uh, I'm still buzzing about it and uh, to hear what's happened in other places. I will go ahead and mention, I don't see um, um, Jeremy Grammon on here yet, but uh, Jeremy sent a fairly lengthy a text earlier today saying that um, their whole church was buzzed by the by the thing and and as as Jeremy and Holly begin to share with their folks what was going on here the previous week the same thing began to happen uh, in his church prophecy and joy and it just began to break out a lot of different ways so we've we're just so grateful all i can say is we're so so grateful for what uh, god has done the way he put uh, anticipations in our heart the way he spoke to us prophetically and said this is what i, I want to do and then the way he did it he just like checked off the boxes and uh, it was just a beautiful thing and still rejoicing in that Today, we have a very uh, special opportunity. As you know, we're, we're tracking through topics, and we've got about 30 different topics that we are working through. See, somebody's, somebody's mic is on. It's interesting. Um, and so we're trying to work our way through somewhat systematically to say, what does sonship look like in these various areas of our life? And I have people that say, well, how do I do that with a nine to five job or an eight to five job? And I just say, if it doesn't work at work, it doesn't work. If it doesn't work at the grocery store, it doesn't work. If it doesn't work in the church, it certainly doesn't work. So we want to see how a revelation of sonship impacts every part of our life. And as we see those things, we can can begin to anticipate more and more of how the Lord is going to work through us. And so uh, this week, uh, baby, you have anything else you want to share before we jump into it? No, right now. Let's jump into it. <laughs> We're going to jump into it because uh, Daniel Gurry is on with us. He's going to He's going to take center stage here for a few minutes and share with us on the impacts of sonship on evangelism. And I don't really know anybody that's any better at ministering, uh, especially to folks you've never met before, but to minister evangelistically to people from a relational perspective and from a sonship revelation. And so I really want us to listen to him for a little bit. I've asked him to share with us for at least 15 minutes. He said five or six. I said, come on, man, it's two o'clock in the morning there. You've stayed up to be with us. Give us at least 15 minutes or more. And then once he has, uh, I would ask each of you, just jot some thoughts that come while he's sharing. Uh, and then let's bring it to the table. And uh, I sent out uh, these questions for us to, to ponder. Uh, first is articulate an evangelism approach that has nothing to hide, nothing to prove, nothing to fear, nothing to lose. And then how does evangelism look different from a sonship heart versus an orphan approach? So what would an orphan approach to evangelism look like? And what would a sonship approach to evangelism look like? Then how is the good news different in the mouth of sons versus in the mouth of orphans? What does the good news look like when you have a revelation of your sonship and the father's love? And then finally, how do I build relationships with people that I may talk to 
that I don't live close to. So in Texas, for example, we're really spread out. It's 30 minutes to any place, you know, and so um, that's one of the, the conflicts that we sense. People go out, evangelize, but they don't live close to the person that they're talking to. We, we constantly say, be relational, get a name, get a number, try to make contacts. But how do we live into that? So with those questions in mind, Daniel, uh, kudos to you, my brother. Thank you so much for all the times you've been on with us at two o'clock in the morning. And I happen to know that he's, and he'll probably tell you there's another a flooding over in Greece and he and some friends are, are leaving at five o'clock in the morning, three hours from now, they'll be leaving oh. to go help dig some people out of the mud and out of the floods. And so, yeah. uh, I hope you've gotten some sleep this evening, uh, Daniel, just want to give you the next 15 minutes or whatever you need. Just share your heart, your, your manifesto for evangelism and, and any of the ways you can in, give us insight into these, these questions. You're going to, yeah, there you go. I got you. Um, so sorry about when my, uh, my mic there was, uh, not muted. And then I, I gave you all the computer voice, uh, back up there on the, on the voice recorder. Uh, that was you. Okay. Yeah. Confession's good for the soul. <laughs> it is. It is. It's uh, quite only, all right. Only way to be. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's great to be with y'all. Um, I, uh, I look, I look forward to this, uh, this little community that you guys have uh, cultivated. You know, I've been able to jump on a couple of them. Um, and they've always like really, you know, given me like a lot of, a lot of great perspectives because, there's a, there's a great discussion on the back end, um, which is kind of a different format for, um, a lot of these, um, you know, like zoom podcasts. So I'm, I'm looking forward to just, um, adding some to that conversation with you guys today. Um, Daniel, I didn't give you a very good introduction. Would you go ahead and share with us where you are? I know right now whatever you can Thessaloniki, yeah. whatever you can share, just go ahead yeah. and feel free to share that. Yeah, so my my wife and I, um, for the last three years now, have been doing base camp um, in Greece. Um, we um, basically are like two two plus years into um, launching something out of our house, um, and you know it really just started um, in a in a grassroots, authentic way. There wasn't a um, church plant model other than um, building a relationship with people. Um, doing life with people, sharing the gospel uh, authentically, um, you know, which sometimes, you know, it takes patience, uh, takes service outside of just sharing, you know, a three-point sermon or leading someone in a Roman's road, but actually coming along, uh, coming along people and doing life with them. Um, and so, you know, our, um, our movement out of the house is, is not so big. It's only six to 12 people. Um, you know, on, on any given, you know, like weekend service that we have, um, we can see six to nine kids also show up and that's a big part of our experience. Um, we have, uh, you know, basically a host of people from around the world in the particular place that we live. It's not only Greeks, but a lot of internationals. So it's been, um, a nice hurdle, um, to try to do, uh, you know, a multilingual service. Um, sometimes not everyone speaks English or even speaks Greek. And we have people holding their phone, um, in front of my face so that they can read, um, what I'm saying off of AI. Um, and we've seen, you know, God build a little international community, um, just out of our house, 
um, you know, kind of in a, in, in a unique and dynamic way. Um, you know, I have always been um, someone that has has had a heart for evangelism um, because I myself um, met someone on a street corner in 2008 when I was um, a spiritual seeker. And um, it changed my life because on that day I gave my life to Christ and I started to follow him. And so um, that was my my blueprint uh, at the very inception of my experience was, you know, you, you shared your faith with others in the same way that someone shared their faith um, in the Lord with me. And so um, I've been on a journey um, with God um, and, and looking at evangelism through um, a different lens, I would say, in this in this last season. Um, because my wife and I have come to, you know, really enjoy, um, the Abba Journey books by, um, keeping, uh, carrying cheeky and, you know, has kind of, um, allowed me to realize that for, for years, um, without me even really knowing it, um, I, I just had a totally orphan lens for evangelism, um, because I was always striving to do something, um, instead of just being myself and allow God, allowing God to like move through me. Um, in an authentic way. Um, so I would just, op- I would just open it up and, and say that, you know, and um, even within that, I don't think it's always so black and white, you know, like Paul says, you know, some, some preach out of uh, a great confidence and through a genuine way and others, others do it for other reasons, but at the end, Christ is preached, um, you know, and I, and, and, and I think, you know, this journey in sonship kind of allows us to take on um, a different, a different perspective where we, where we learn what evangelism truly is. Um, so I just had a, f- a few talking points that I kind of would throw out here, um, may- maybe to just add to the conversation and hear some of your feedback. Um, but I just thought about, um, Galatians four, which I, I know is a, a familiar scripture for you guys. Um, I think that's how I'm just going to launch out here. I'm going to read out of Galatians four, um, one to four. And it says, what I'm saying is that as long as an, uh, an heir is underage, He's no different from a slave. Although he owns his whole estate, the heir is subject to his guardians and trustees until the time is set by his father. So also, when we are underage, we are in the slavery of the elemental spiritual forces of this world. And when the set time had fully come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman and under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent forth his, his spirit, the spirit of his son into our hearts and the spirit who calls out Abba, Father, so that you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has also made you an heir. Um, the first thing I'm going to say is that um, God thought about and was pining over and was meditating on and had a great joy in his heart about actually coming into our world for an eternity of time. And when you have a sonship lens of evangelism, I think you have to realize that like God himself was truly the first missionary in a sense that like when he became a man, and he was going to interact with all the people that he interacted with. He wasn't um, just walking up to people um, to try to put on a show. And he wasn't trying to walk up to people to wow a crowd. 
he was actually walking up to somebody who he had been thinking about reaching for an eternity of time. And my first point here for, for evangelism is that um, I believe that Jesus's emphasis of relationship um, was something that happened way, way before um, there was even a, an idea or a concept of the gifts of the spirit that mm. God's desire to reach people, um, you know, his, his focus on extending friendship to humanity was his focus. He, he earnestly wanted to connect and yeah, like I absolutely believe in the, the gifts of the spirit. I absolutely believe in miracles, but when the focus of God is to reach a human being in a very real and felt connected way, I think once we realize evangelism from that point, I don't think we're going to try to do anything. I think we, we, we just, we get so undone that God is a relational being that desires connection with us that we can't help be connected to him in a heart to heart way. And there's just an outward flow that we desire to invite other people um, into that experience. Um, and I, again, it maybe sounds like just a simple idea, but I, for me, it's a game changer because I'm not just trying to get somebody um, to listen to my three point preach. I'm not just trying to get somebody to pray a prayer. I'm not, um, I'm not just trying to take a picture with somebody so that like my ministry looks good. You know what I mean? Like, Oh man, I'm getting a little messed up here. Um, I know a phrase that you guys will, will use uh, often, you know, is that um, like true love happens in an other centered reality. And so um, when you realize that God is truly other centered, that he doesn't need to be, quote unquote, impressed with himself. He doesn't need to, to boast his own hype. Um, he just gets to be himself. Like that's, that's where that, that natural and genuine connection happens. Um, and so when I say that Jesus emphasizes relationship more than he does the gifts of the spirit, that there's a, a real compassion that happens. You know, when, when you look into God's eyes, right? How many of y'all get like really messed up? When you, re when you realize that God has such compassion for you, such grace for you, and that's really where the, the process of transformation happens. You know, yeah. when, when you look into someone's eyes and you really connect with them and you see the compassion of God as an outward flowing reality there, it doesn't become about your three-point preach. It doesn't become about getting them to pray a prayer. It's just about meeting them in the process where they are in their journey. And maybe in that interaction, maybe all you're going to do is have, you know, a good conversation, let's say about, I don't know, rock music or golf or, um, you know, a okay. family member's party that they just went to. Um, you know, maybe you're not going to get in any, any good theology in that conversation, but maybe you're going to have a genuine entry point of, of connection where you get to enter their life. You know, God, when he, when he broke forth the cosmos, he entered into our lives. Um, he, he got to see our world through a different vantage point. 
um, and, and, and he drew us into connection, you know, um, like there's a, there's a young woman that we got to be friends with. She's from, um, the nation of Georgia. And, uh, when we first met her, you know, she was very rough around the edges very much, um, you know, just trying to get her next drink in her. Um, but you know, we, we made a connection with her and we found out where she worked and it, and it happened that we had a common friend that also worked there and one of the kids had a birthday party and then, you know, we attended the birthday party and we got to talk to her and, you know, when the kids were dancing to some silly songs, we all got to dance and she took a live video and her husband saw the video and was like, man, I want to meet those people that are just silly and fun loving. And, um, I want to see what they're all about because most people are only concerned about, you know, where their next uh, dollars coming from and whatever, whatever else is going on in their life. I don't see that many fun loving people around. And so, you know, my wife and one of our friends took her out to like a, a dinner and, you know, she just poured out her heart and, you know, without even my wife and her friend saying anything, um, you know, she got talking about how she doesn't believe in anything. Um, she, she doesn't believe in God. She doesn't believe in heaven or hell. She doesn't believe in, um, you know, really existence being meaningful. And, you know, in that first meeting, my wife and friend didn't even really go after it so much. Um, you know, uh, they just, they just loved her really well. Um, and she said, you know, I've, I've lived on this particular Island for the last two years and I've never connected with anyone the way that I've connected with you guys. I can't wait to do it again. Um, and just before we left, um, yesterday to come up to, uh, Thessaloniki to, to work with a, um, a volunteer crew on this disaster relief thing. Um, we saw her at the store and my wife and two friends actually got to spend, you know, probably about a half an hour with her and, um, she broke down and they got to pray with her. Um, you know, and this is, you know, like a process, you know, that's been like a few months long now, um, where, you know, just entering into someone's life and having a genuine connection point has led to, you know, them beginning a journey with God. Um, that's like very real, very heartfelt, very genuine. Um, and so like, I, I just would encourage anyone here and encourage myself that all you need is a genuine connection point to enter into someone's life, um, and just let the Lord do the rest. You know, it could be, um, it could be in an instant, right? It could be something that happens the first time you meet someone. It, it could be a six month process. It could be a four year process. Um, it could be a five year process. You know, I know that when we were last in um, DFW, I know that Cheeky was walking her dog um, with a particular lady on a regular basis. Um, the lady probably didn't want much, much to do with, um, you know, Christianity obviously knows, you know, Cheeky pastors as a, a part of the thing that she does in her life. And, you know, from what I understood, it was a, you know, a period of time just getting to know one another um, because they were walking their dogs and they live in the same neighborhood. Um, and so, you know, um, like where, wherever we are, when we can just be a son, when we can just be a daughter, um, we can be ourselves. And, you know, there's a very powerful, mighty, loving God who, who loves to move through us um, when we interact with people that are just, like an ear shot, an arm shot away. Um, one of the second things I wrote down here is um, 
uh, I kind of hit my second bullet point, which was um, connection with others happens instantly through a process and over periods of time. We shouldn't be married to any one of these. God is ultimately outside of time. We should be ready to jump in an instant. We should be ready um, to go through a process with someone. We should be ready to be in it for the long haul. Um, um, why do I say this? We can't rush people into a decision. Um, we can't only be interested in someone coming to Christ. Um, we have to actually love people. Um, God's power ultimately flows out of love. Mm-hmm. And so I, I truly believe that um, if, if we have a desire for miracles, if we have a desire for the power of God, if we have our desire to see God move in the same way that we read about all throughout Scripture, um, especially the New Testament, you know, the Gospels, the Book of Acts, um, then, then we need to actually love people. Um, and we, we need to have a conversation about what that actually is. Um, you know, like I, I told you guys, we don't really do anything fancy. We just have a community of about six or 12 people out of the house. Um, you know, I do a lot of different things on the, on the island to try to engage people. Um, one of the things that I started to do um, over the summer was I actually started to work like different jobs for people's companies because there aren't enough people that want to work. Um, and there's a bunch of people that, um, you know, will work for a month and then, you know, um, like walk off the job. And so now that I've lived here for a couple of years, I have, you know, been in a position where people that I know will say, hey, man, can, can you come and work for me? Um, and I've gotten to work on a boat. I've gotten to work on a tour company. Um, I've gotten to do some agricultural stuff and have just been able to kind of, you know, pitch in where there's, where there's been need. Um, and there's a particular family, um, you know, they're a young family, only been married a couple of years. They got a couple of kids, um, you know, and so we naturally bond because we're similar age and similar, similar place in life. And, you know, we've been to dinner at their house. They've been to dinner at our house. We've gone to birthday parties. They've come to birthday parties. And that's been for two years. And they don't know that we have a little church out of our house because we've never told them. Um, I've never even I've never even preached the gospel to them, you know, Um, but we've, you know, had a genuine connection point. We've been in relationship with one another. And, you know, um, when they had some people walk off the job and they needed to run a business, they said, hey, can you help? And I said, yeah, sure. You know, and um, I got to step in. I got to work hard. Um, you know, I got to be of service to them when they needed it. And it just so turned out that that kind of opened up the door, um, to share my faith. And, you know, it happened in a very real and genuine way. Um, I think at a moment for them when they definitely needed to hear that there was hope, that there was good news, that there was a kingdom beyond just making a dollar and trying to survive on this planet. And, um, you know, it's kind of funny. They're like, so you've been, you know, doing this out of the house for two years. Um, (laughs) We're like, yeah, you know, sometimes we've done it with only one or two people or three people, but, you know, we just, we do it because it's a part of our process and we're trying to go on a journey with God and we invite other people on that journey too. Um, And so, uh, yeah, I just, I just mean to say that, you know, don't feel like you have to be a bumper sticker Christian. Um, Not everyone needs to know. You can be leaven. You can be hidden amongst the lump and make the whole loaf rise. I think that's the beauty of the gospel. Um, you know, we don't, we don't need to have a big online platform ministry. Um, not that there's anything wrong with that. If God wants you to have that, um, you know, for me, I, I don't, I don't have that, 
um, you know, in me to do it. And I don't really have the position to do it because of where I'm at and how it works. Um, you know, but you can be hidden and God can do amazing things through your life. Um, you know, there's a little old lady in a church up in New Jersey, a little old Dominican lady. And, um, you know, she shares the Lord with people all the time. Um, she just, she just does it in a very relational way. And when God opens the door, she preaches, you know, a, a really life-changing gospel and she leads tons of people to Jesus because she knows how to sit down and have tea with people. She knows how to invite people in for cookies. She knows how to let people feel comfortable. And I think, you know, that's how God is reshaping evangelism in the church um, so that we can be comfortable in him with ourselves and invite other people into the process. Um, the last bullet point I had here is evangelism is a way of being, um, not an activity. The world can smell a faker a mile away, and they want nothing to do with that. Um, what do I mean by a faker? Someone who's not actually interested in them as a person. Um, and so, you know, I've done an inventory in my own life, and I've tried to ask myself, if I think about all the evangelistic opportunities that I've been a part of in my life, if I ask the honest question, um, did the people I engaged, um, did they feel loved and cared for um, in, in, in those, you know, endeavors? Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a question to ask and reflect on because it'll make you change the way your, your future outlook is um, when you do it in the present. Um, and so, you know, to do evangelism really is to be yourself. Um, and then to let God flow through you supernaturally, right? So our experience with Abba is what gives us that desire um, to reach the world with his good news. And we get to give hope away. And that is what communicating the kingdom of God is, whatever it looks like. Might be hugging someone, might be having tea with someone, might be releasing a miracle to someone when they really, really need it. Um, you know, we just had a team here um, for a couple weeks and um, we did see one miracle um, for sure, um, might be two, but I have to check up on it in the next day here or so. But um, our friends prayed for a lady inside of a bakery that works there seven days a week, 12 hour days, you know, nine months out of the year. And she had a big old wrist um, cast on and was in a lot of pain. And they prayed for um, one, two and three times um, this one afternoon. And she was able to take it off and move it around with no pain. And for the 10 days that the team was there and they went in for coffee, um, you know, her mobility was completely there. She never put the cast back on. She was wowed by it. Um, they, you know, they prayed with her. They explained the gospel. It's Jesus that healed you. Um, she gave her life to Christ. Um, her countenance has changed um, because she had a genuine, she had a genuine impact um, and a genuine connection point with love, the person of love, Jesus Christ. Um, who relationally gets to our heart, um, either in an instant or through a process because the patient God, he's a loving father. Um, so that's, that's, that's what I had to share today. Um, I don't know how, um, maybe we could open up the discussion. Yeah. Um, maybe I can ask Paul well, here. First, I want to, oh, sorry. I just want to say thank you. I want to thank you for uh, your vulnerable life. I want to thank you for the way you just be. And ever since I've known you, you've just been you. And the hat says it all, <laughs> you know, you just be, and it's wonderful. And I find 
what you're sharing is so uh, foreign to most of us, especially in the Bible Belt of America and American Christianity. And uh, I think some of our atonement, salvation, religion, and sin consciousness makes us so guilt-ridden that much of our so-called evangelism is actually driven by guilt, trying to appease uh, God's desire to fill up heaven rather than a sincere desire to love people and be friends with people. I think the other thing that wars against us would just be our busyness, right? I mean, where we are, uh, just slowing down and having friends is key. I know everybody on this call has something that you want to share right now because uh, he stirred some good stuff up. Uh, in order for us to get as many in as possible, can I get you to share a thought or a question uh, with 30 seconds in mind? That's mean, but I want to, I would love for as many of you as possible to get to share something or ask Daniel a question. You might want to ask Eduardo a question. Eduardo is one of the most incredible evangelists that I know. And everywhere he goes, he's he's leading people to the Lord. Um, and uh, so there's more than one way. But I think the Lord's opening up for us an idea about just being ourselves. If we really believe the Lord is the Lord of the harvest, then can he bring people to us uh, that are ready? And do we just need to learn how to make friends instead of making converts? Maybe we need some seminars on how to make friends <laughs> instead of making converts. Who wants to start? We've got an idea or a thought. Try to keep it to 30 seconds if you can. So, Rick, you have your hand raised, so go ahead. Turn your mic on. and Yeah, just wanted to um, uh, kind of comment about making friends and how important that part is, uh, going out and, and just being relational with people with no other agenda. And um, one of the things that uh, I just want to leave this out there. One of the things that God's done is focused uh, people where I work uh, that are either PD or military or ex PD or military to me uh, to come up and talk. And, uh, and uh, the question that I had, and I talked to uh, cheeky about this, before um about asking you know, well who are you uh, males tend to respond one way they respond by telling you what their job is and um, i i've never really asked um a female what you know who they are but uh, the men all seem to respond the same way they tell you what they do and it really was kind of stopping the conversation at that point you know, because, okay, well, that's that's great. Um, Cheeky, um, was, we were talking about this, and she said, well, instead of who are you, how about why are you? Mm. And that has uh, really fired um, the conversation into, uh, into the point where they're going, um, I don't know why I am. Well, I can tell you why you are. You know, in in our 
group, especially the group of people here, we would say, why, you know, why or who am I? Well, well I'm a son or a daughter of the living God, and I'm, I, uh, I'm here because this is where he wants me, and I have a relationship with him. But when you ask somebody that doesn't know who they are, right. why are you? And right. they say, I don't know. Well, I'll tell you why you are. Why you are is because God loves you more than you could possibly imagine. And he wants to be with you right here, right now. He wants you to know him as much yeah. as he knows about you. Mm -hmm. Relationships. And, I, and, they keep, and they keep coming back. So yeah. uh, Fantastic. That's the key. Anyway, I, I just that, that goes, wanted to kind of that, make that comment. Yeah, good. And I think that goes to the point, and I was going to ask Daniel about this, um, when you get around to sharing your faith. And I think this is, it's a question, I think, for all of us. It's like, what does the good news sound like? Because we can, we can, whenever we're sharing our faith, we can focus it on uh, judicial satisfaction. You're a sinner, you're bound for hell, God wants to save you, or there's so many other ways to do that. So, um, so I think this, the, the, the question of why are you, why do you exist in the first place is an open door to share the good news from a very different perspective. Right. So, so I'm, I'm not saying that now that's the formula kind of thing, but just to think about such things. Um, I think, uh, Deborah, were you wanting to say something? And then we'll go to Eduardo. Another 30 seconds, Deborah. <laughs> yes, I would like, I was just wanting to extend on what you guys were just talking about. My next door neighbor, and I think I shared with you at the church, how she had fallen and had to have neck surgery. And so um, I've gotten a chance to get to know her and you know, talk about mm. friendship and relationships. It takes time. It takes time. And so um, I was relate. I was remembering, you know, that, you know, Jesus, he was involved in disciple discipling people's the disciples lives. And when I was mentioning to De her name is Debbie as well. And so anyways, uh, when I was sharing to her about you know, my church and stuff, and and I think I told you that I had taken to her to the hospital and I prayed for her and I laid hands on her hands and she was just so moved by it. And then she said, wow, there's something, you know, you know, something about God or what I came up with the word she said, but she was moved by that. And, you know, sometimes like in even like uh, Daniel was saying that, you know, going out of your own comfort comfortable zone and you know and how you go to their house and you eat with them you don't really even have to talk about the lord they see something's different about you and it's you know uh, it's really evident that you know we are known by our fruit and so i i just you know it was just exciting in learning with her and becoming a friend with her she's been very very yes. blessed and i have too that's the key thank you deb mm -hmm. so good so, um, Eduardo, share something with us. Hi, I'm so glad to be here. Well, I think this is common sense in, in terms of first being guided. You know, I don't think it's a, a rule. Sometimes I I feel uh, from the spirit to ask somebody, hey, uh, can I make you a personal question? Of course, yes. Do you believe in God? And they will say 90% in Mexico they are Catholic and say, yes, do you know him? Mm, no. Would you like to know him? Oh, yes. I mean, sometimes it's so like that straightforward. And otherwise, other times he's finding, having a, a, a genuine interest in the people. Genuine interest. 
and finding common common points of interest. And I make my first equal first, like Paul said, you know, with the Greeks as a Greek and with the Jews as a Jew. And I I speak about what they uh, they they like, what they they concerns, they interest. I speak ab about them. 30, 30 minutes later, I'm listen, listening to some things, and then I might not even share anything at that moment. Maybe could take one year later, you know. But but being really genuine and finding common points of interest and being guided, I would say it's it's very very spontaneous. Thank you. Excellent point about being guided, because really, who knows the person better than Holy Spirit? Mm -hmm. And and he can give us entry points that we would never think of. Right. So One of the things Cheeky says is nobody's ever converted to Christianity because they lost an argument. So we certainly want to stay away from doctrinal arguments or, you know, debating somebody in. You're not going to debate anybody into the kingdom. And usually it's just our own orphan insecurities that make us raise our voice and, you know, pound whatever we got to pound harder rather than just love people. For me, just listening to Daniel, I just want to I want to go back to the father and say, give me your love for people, because until I feel that love, it's just going to be mechanical and they can smell a faker. Like he says, can I, I'll share Daniel can I, shared about can, my experience with. Can, oh, I add go some, ahead, can I add something very quick? If 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 he says, "Oh, I am atheist or I am Buddhist or I am Islamic," say, "Wow, wow, wonderful, wow!" Tell me more, you know. So, oh no, like that. So, oh, tell me more, and how how is your experience? How how are your conversations with God? I don't I don't speak with this guy. I don't want to speak with this guy, especially with Islamics. They don't speak with me. So it's a it's very oh very curious and very open. You know, never, never, never judge nobody, never reject nobody. Mm -hmm. Always embrace, embrace everyone, embrace everyone. Yeah. Sorry. Genuine interest <laughs> in the person. Yeah. Yeah. So what I was going to say, Daniel shared a little bit of my experience with my friend at the dog park. And it was very interesting where we started becoming friends is a person that I would never be friends with other than the commonality of the dog park. I mean, we're diametrically opposed in only every, in every way in, in our worldviews are. And she started opening up to me and I saw like an open door for conversion, you know, the, the default thing. And Holy Spirit was very direct with me. She said, she's not a project. She's a person to be loved. She's not a project. And it really struck me to like, wow, really think about that. And I, that's why I love Daniel when you said that it's not about uh, gathering a crowd, making a show, you know, taking the photo ops to show everybody what great evangelists were. When we do that, then we're looking at people as projects, not as people. And I think that genuine discipleship starts by valuing people where they are, who they are, where they are. Not for what, not for what we can get out of them in terms of a notch on my belt of what a great evangelist I am, but really who they are. That's really answering the question we ask, how does evangelism look different from a sonship perspective versus an orphan perspective? Orphans have to prove that they're worth something. And in the religious circles, you're worth something if you can get more notches on your belt, convert more Christians in. And so people look like a project. They look like a number to an orphan. Uh, they look like God in really rough uh, hewn uh, form uh, if you're a son. Mm -hmm. Somebody else. Wait, did, Daniel, did you want to say some, add something to yeah. that? And then Jeremy has his hand up. So, so Daniel, then Jeremy. 
so I, I would say like to everything that you're saying there, like what, um, I think actually I, I said this to you, Carrie, when we had coffee a few years ago and I said, man, I, I can lead people to Jesus. I'm real good at it, but I haven't really discipled anybody. Um, and I realized that my whole focus was kind of this, you know, um, atonement for judgment juxtaposition. And I wasn't inviting anybody into a process. Um, and once that thing broke inside of me, I realized it wasn't about just getting somebody to confess um, that they that they were a sinner and needed saving, but that there was actually a God that wanted to invite them on a journey and an adventure. Yeah. Um, and whether or not the process of kind of the the internal thing of, hey, I need to, um, you know, give up my life to find God's life. Um, and, you know, for, for me to go on a journey with God takes me to, you know, like actually to lay down my heart and my mind and my body before him, um, that there was a, a real pathway from, uh, evangelistic experience to discipleship. And because you were looking at a person and not a project, there was a natural, um, connection point for maybe even someone that, you know, instantaneously responded to the gospel and then getting them into an experience where they could actually be on that journey with others. Um, and I th- and I think that's the exciting experience about sonship is that, you know, Jesus is trying to draw people close and Jesus desires friendship. And so when, when we realize that's the way he is with us, um, we, we can't help but want to do that with others and other people want to be connected too. You know, like the cross is something else we say, like, you know, the cross is vertical and it's horizontal. Like people genuinely want that horizontal connection with other humans and to live in community. But we really find the fulfillment of that when we when we know God personally and then the interpersonal experience we have with others is something that is like holistic and genuine and authentic. Um, and, and so for everything that you're saying is that when we have a sonship, um, lens of evangelism is that there's there's a track to run on um, for discipleship because there is a genuine um, experience that someone has with God, but also but also um, with you, um, you know, and that's and that's what trumps the orphan thinking there. I think Daniel, you hit on something really good. And sorry, Jeremy, we're coming right to you. Just one thought about this is um, I remember watching the the movie, the documentary Sheep Among Wolves, talking about the Iranian church and how their perspective of evangelism is really not about evangelism. It's about discipleship. Mm-hmm. And that discipleship starts with the first conversation you have with the person. So discipleship doesn't start once they make a commitment to Jesus or once they give their life over to Jesus. Discipleship starts from the first conversation. And at some point in the discipleship process, they get to know Jesus and start living fully with him. And I think that's a total different paradigm than what we normally have. Discipleship has to be relational. And uh, even what we do in triads can be non-relational. And we have to really break through in our own walk with the Lord. We've got three triads going on in this base camp building right now while we're in the podcast room, three triads going on. but the the impacts outside of the church building, outside of where we normally gather, are we actually building relationship with people where we work, where we shop, those kinds of things that can can move us beyond 
uh, kind of the static aspect of it. Um, uh, Jeremy, I'll jump to you real quick. Thanks for the uh, the amazing uh, text you sent earlier today. Just blessed my heart so much to see what God's doing in your church. It's it's so good, and I yes and amen to everything that has been shared so far. I seriously think we could probably talk on this for days, but uh, because I'm it's I'm so stirred about it because it's been such a radical journey for me as I came into relationship with Holy Spirit. I've been in relationship with with Jesus my whole life, but I didn't know Holy Spirit until about 10 years ago. And, uh, and I immediately was moved into, you know, power evangelism, signs and wonders, miracles, and just working my, <laughs> working my, my tiny off trying to bring people into the kingdom, but, uh, <laughs> um, it never fit right. And so I quickly went, this is not sustainable. This is not even what I want to do. Um, and it really came back to, um, and I think that I'll, I'll say this about as I was going through the Abba journey in 2020, I spent, I couldn't leave John, uh, 13 through 17 and, and I just lived in there and, and John 17 has really become the foundation for everything that, that we do. It gave me language and representation for everything that I think about evangelism because it really comes out of, of, of unity of knowing the father. And so John 17, three says to, to eternal life is to know the father, uh, to see and know the father and, and to, to see and know the the son who he sent. And, and so when we experience that eternal life um, uh, ourselves, because then later on, Jesus says, um, when they live in as one, the same way we're one, the world will see and know. Mm-hmm. The world will see and know. When when we live one with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the way Jesus is one. And then later on it says, then when we live, when they live in oneness with each other, the same way we're one. And Jesus says it over and over multiple times. He says, the world will see and know, and they will recognize me. And they will and so all of the work of trying to save souls or trying to to work it out. Uh, this is a relational process, starts with our uh the reality of our relationship with the Trinity and living out that expression face to face with God every day. And and I find that everywhere we go, oh Holly got here. Uh, um, so everywhere we, um, everywhere we go, we not even, we, the father makes the appointments. We, we run into people every day. We, we encounter people every day, um, no matter where it's at, that, that are just drawn to the reality of the relationship that we now have, that we live in and, and it's so easy to love people. It's so easy to love those that the world doesn't know how to love. Um, and it's so easy to love them in that space. And we have a motto that we've had forever, 20 plus years, is uh, is we love people until they ask why. <laughs> you know, that's our that's our uh our motto for evangelism is is we love them until they ask why. And so that's, I'm just going to share that. Love you guys. Do you want to say anything real quick, Holly? We're talking about evangelism. (laughs) Oh, so good. I just got here. I love you all. (laughs) Good to have you, Holly. Mm -hmm. You guys blessed us so much last week. Still getting fantastic reports uh, about that. So Todd, Todd, until you have a question, Todd and or Linda. (laughs) Good to see you guys. Yeah. Good to see you all as well. Um, 
Yeah, I love what everybody is saying. My question comes from the environment that I'm in right now. It's just kind of a, a tension between being a son and being compelled by love, but still having this um, push uh, to to go, 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 use your prophetic gifts, um, get out there, you know, be really, really intentional, talk to people everywhere. Don't let there be a, a wasted trip to the grocery store. If you New have a up. person yeah. you're in front of and you have a conversation, but you never mention Jesus, if they go to hell, you know, it's kind of like, you know, you had a part in that. And there's just, there's a lot of uh, pressure. Um, and I just wondered how any of you all who have uh, been out there doing this would respond to the pressure. Daniel. Yeah. Go Daniel, you know. Um. So yeah, I've totally been there to the point where I went totally psychotic. Um, just to be totally honest with you. Um, I just was so concerned everyone was going to hell um, some years ago, and I became not so happy of a person myself. Um, and then Holy Spirit was like, don't pray for anyone for 30 days. And I was like, don't pray for anyone for 30 days. Like, how could I do that? Like, it's no days off, Lord. Like, it's it's go time, you know? And what I began to realize was my internal world was not so healthy. Um, and I was shaming people. Um, like, yeah, maybe I wasn't telling them you're a sinner, you're going to hell. Um, because that wasn't my brand of evangelism. And I was such a distinguished charismatic um, who could offer something so much better. Um, but I really had to do an inventory, you know, and be honest with myself. And man, it's not pressure it's a pleasure when we know the father dude forget what forget what tom dick and harry evangelism you know said at a, a session or a zoom call or all that stuff and for whoever tried to put that on you that's just not who you are and that's not who i am and like that's not who god is so um there is no pressure um you know if you feel like going to the grocery store is like, oh my gosh, I have to give somebody a word. Then I would just say, make a decision not to give anyone a word when you go to the grocery store. Um, and I know that sounds crazy, but like, mm. honestly, a good God connection is way better than an awkward conversation. Um, at yes. the end of the <laughs> yeah. And I think it goes back to what Eduardo was saying is, can we trust the Holy spirit in his leading that sometimes it's, like we say, we be intentional all the time, but the intentionality is being intentional to allow Holy Spirit to prompt you in certain things, not be intentional in finding projects for yourself. And I find myself, I'm surprised myself at times that a conversation just happens that I wasn't planning on. I wasn't like going somewhere with the mindset of I have to share the gospel with somebody, but it just happens. And so when Holy Spirit opens that door, then we go through it. So I think that's intentionality, right? Is is being attentive to Holy Spirit's leading, but not trying to create something for the sake of creating something. I think that's uh, 
And that's what maybe what Jesus would have called uh, workers of iniquity. Right. Self-initiated good works because we feel compelled to do them uh, as opposed to initiated by Holy Spirit. We try to get that point across, even in the gifts of the Spirit, um, focus to start by saying Jesus was moved with compassion. He wasn't doing things to make Daddy happy. Uh, he wasn't guilt-ridden about why he was sent to the earth. It wasn't a mission that, oh, I better get up early in the morning and go pray, or, or I'm going to make Dad mad, and then it's going to be a bad day. No, he's, he's living out of the love of the Father, and he's seeing people the way the Father sees them, and he's letting Holy Spirit bring people to him. Interesting, isn't it, that uh, Acts chapter 3, when Peter and John are going to the temple on the way to prayer in Jerusalem, and there's the lame man. He's been there 18 years. How, how come Jesus hadn't raised him up? Because you know Jesus walked through Gate Beautiful many, many times in, in Jerusalem going to the temple. He would walk right past that man. How come? Well, he wasn't seeing people as a project. And if the if the Holy Spirit didn't say, he's ready, then Jesus didn't move that way. So uh, what else, what else is kind of pulsating in your heart you want to share? One, one quick comment. And Andres, you might have to help me with this one. It's either St. Augustine or St. Francis or one of those, you might know which one it is, that has a famous quote of preach the gospel everywhere you go. And if you must use words, you remember who that was? It's supposed to be St. Augustine. St. Augustine? Okay. Yeah. So, and I think that's what Daniel was talking about is when you just be with people and you be a son who has nothing to fear, nothing to lose, nothing to hide, nothing to prove, that makes a statement. And people look at that and it's like, why? Why is your life different from mine? And I think that's what sort of like what St. Augustine was talking about is if you really have this relationship with God and you're walking as a son of God and you're walking in fullness of life, people are going to take notice. And then when they ask, then you use words and you ex and you give them an explanation for it. But it really should be the lifestyle first, um, not not the explanation first with a, with a goal. Do we have to get a revelation of our sonship and get free from the guilt uh, before we actually love people the way the Father does? Or are we manipulated into loving people because we're supposed to? Uh, so really getting to know the father first might be a key. That's why I think we're, we're onto something here. Uh, we've got five minutes. We want to honor your time. Andres, share something with us, brother. You blessed us so much. You and Natty, we thank you for being with us last weekend. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We are so grateful. You know, we are just doing the digestion of this situation, all of the things that's happened. Remember that I said to you that in the body of Christ, I'm the colon, so I'm processing cool. everything. Colonoscopy <laughs> uh, ministry. <laughs> I have, I have to say, I have to say that in Colombia is, is you know, it's a different culture and it's a different church culture, and so it's been, it's been such a, an amazing experience in these last two or three years, because as a pastor, well, there, there's a moment that. You, you don't share the gospel with anybody else because everybody knows you and, and everybody have listened to you and you have shared the gospel with all of the people. But in these last two years, the Lord uh, has placed me in this Galleria, Fine Art Galleria. So he put me in an environment, an environment to totally different than the church. And it's been such an amazing experience you know, to, to relate with the people, to hear the, their needs and to have these deep conversations about philosophy and, and art and all of these questions of life. 
that they are having. So it's been such a, a, a good experience to share the gospel in in a different way. Because every time when 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 they ask me, uh, what do you what do you do for a living? Well, you know that's the tension moment. It's an awkward moment because in Colombia to say that I'm a pastor is something that is not with good eyes. You know, it's something that the people looks with a little a little bit suspicious. Like, like the meat in the Chinese food. Like, oh, hmm, this is so suspicious. So it's been good <laughs> to show food. them, to show them that that you can be a Christian and and you can be in this kind of environments. But uh, I was I was reading this morning in in Matthew twenty three, and this I, I tried to finish with this. I'm uh, I'm gonna read Matthew twenty three verse sixteen. They say, "Woe to you, blind guides." You say if, if any word swears by the temple, uh, uh, no, 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 wait a minute. It's not that. Uh. Okay, it's the 15. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You travel over the land and sea to win a single convert, and when you have succeeded, you make them twice as much as child of hell as you are. So I think that the 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 orphan evangelism is about to win souls and i think that that the sonship evangelism is about making these disciples and that means that you have to be related with the people you you need to be close to their needs and you need to be open to be vulnerable for in order for them to be vulnerable with you very good very good uh we've got two minutes uh somebody with a 30 second revelation is that uh daniel you got something else you're up at two o'clock in the morning so you get to talk as long as you want to paul paul did you have something 30 seconds yeah it's just because he says that you're a light on a hill he didn't say you had to prove that you're a light on a hill so if we go into a restaurant we can actually be light without saying anything to anyone i've gone into yeah. so many restaurants and over a period of time the place fills up. Is it because of me or is it because of his presence? I don't know, but it kind of proves that I don't have to go out and talk to everyone. But uh, a waitress at one of the restaurants said, Hey, I hurt my hand. Da, da, da. And I didn't say anything to her about, Hey, can I see your hand? I see it to the brace. It was, she showed up and I prayed for it. And I said, you'll notice it's different. It might not be different here, but it'll be okay. So, yeah, I love that. Thank we're you. we're called to be light, not to prove that we're light. That reminds me of what the message that Natalia brought on Friday of we need we only need two witnesses, not three, four, five, or ten. So we don't have to go around life telling like so they know that you are God and that I am your servant. <laughs> <laughs> then you know, at all these, and I think many times really we approach evangelism that way. Is I want the world to know that I am God's servant more than I want them to know God. And I'm doing my job. Can we just finish with a prayer? And um, I probably would appreciate, Daniel, if you would just pray for us that we would have a turning or a growing or an opening up of the Father's love for people, that we would get past the mechanics of so-called evangelism and trying to convert people to our side and just love people where they are. Would you mind praying for us, Daniel, before your lights go out? <laughs> yeah. Well, my lights are 
going to get going here with a cup of coffee and then a three hour ride. But, um, <laughs> Bless uh, heart, yeah, cer- cer- certainly, uh, Oh, father, we thank you that you are daddy. You are our mm-hmm. father. Lord, we, we thank you that you've invited us into a great journey and, um, we don't, we don't, we don't know even what the destination looks like, but we just want to enjoy the process. And we know ultimately um, our prize is Jesus, that um, we get to share um, in his inheritance, all of his glory, um, all of his joy, all of his suffering, um, all of his love. And 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 Lord, we want to be more like him. Um, we pray that um, our hearts would be so knit with you, so unified with you, um, that we would truly know you. And that we would, um, we would just build a path to run on um, for others next to us. And that um, as as we build a little path, Lord, certainly you've you've carved out a highway for them to drive on. And so um, help us to realize that um, in the same way that you reach the ones, um, Lord, we can also reach the ones. We don't have to try to reach the masses. Um, certainly, you're not afraid of reaching the masses, but. But for us, um, maybe just reaching the ones around us um, is where the multiplication really is, that in each uh, genuine interaction and connection point, um, God, we, we get saturated in your love, in your, in your compassion, in your grace, in your mercy. Um, Lord, help us, help us to see Jesus in others, um, even, even people that don't have all their theology right or don't even have maybe the greatest life principles and aren't living quote unquote to what we think a standard should be. Let us, let us see Jesus in them. God, I, I, I pray that you would help us to, um, to see what it means to share the good news that we would have rosy colored glasses, um, that we could see people not for where they are, but where, where they're going. Um, and in seeing where they're acknowledge where they are, and just step into their journey the same way you stepped into ours um, when you came to this earth. Lord, we thank you that you are the one that um, came to die for our sins, who was um, crushed for all of our iniquity, but ultimately you you raised again triumphant, um, and you are the greatest evangelist um, that there is because you personified good news. Um, we pray all that in Jesus' name. Yes. Amen. Just two thoughts I want to leave you. One is from Jeremy and Holly, and that is love them until they ask why. Love them until they ask why. And the other is one that I got from Caleb Brown, and he says, the only and the every. We only do what he tells us to do. That takes all the pressure and all the guilt off. We only do what he tells us to do, but we do everything he tells us to do. Here again is why. Hearing the Father's voice for yourself will set you free from all of those pressures of being good enough, doing enough, all those things. So he's speaking to us. He's speaking to you. And I just bless you with ears to hear what the Father's saying and that you give yourself permission to do only what he says and everything that he says. We love you very much. Thank you for your investment into this time and what you've invested into our conversation. We could literally probably stay on this topic for about four months, uh, but we'll, we'll keep moving a little bit, keep it fresh. And I'm hoping that as we go from topic to topic, you're taking some notes and realizing that sonship really is the 
core. It is the fountainhead that makes the difference in every aspect of our life. And so we are sons. Now are we the sons of God, even if it doesn't fully look like it yet. I love you. God bless you. Have a great evening and a great week. Just be Jesus to whoever you're with. Good to see all of you. Bless y'all. Bye-bye.